That is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 through 32. All right? We've been talking, we're in this series called Burn. We're talking about being hurt, right? Last week we talked about being hurt, that it doesn't feel good to be hurt by anybody, but it feels worse when that hurt, when those expectations are not met by the people that we care about, by the people that we love, by the people that we trust, that we expect to do right by us, and then they hurt us. It grieves us. It's bad. It's awful. It's really, 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 really hurts. But ultimately we have to come to a place where we can offer forgiveness, even if forgiveness is not asked. Forgiveness is not sought from the other party. We, to heal, have to have forgiveness. Have to come to a place of forgiveness. But today we're going to talk about gossip. Alright? So gossip. You might think, well that's something that we left left behind in high school or stuff. But, but gossip is a destructive force of nature in families. It's a destructive sin in churches and in communities. Governments have fallen apart because of gossip. All families have fallen apart because of gossip. Things have, have that were strong, that were built, people thought those will last forever. And gossip began to seep into certain relationships and dynamics of those, those relationships, and they began to fall apart. Right? So we're going to talk about gossip today. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 through 32 reads like this. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality and greedy to practice every kind of impurity, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, that all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Ephesians 4. 15 through 32. A little bit more scripture than we, we normally read, but we, we felt it prevalent to kind of get the full scope of, of what this scripture is saying. We're going to hit on a few of those verses specifically. We'll bring them back up here in a little bit. But but I want to talk about growing up. Before we dive into this, this idea of gossip, before we dive into a, a, this deeper understanding of it, I, I want us to talk about growing up. Because that's what the 15th verse said, right? It said to grow up 
to rather don't speak all these negative things, but to speak in love and in kindness, and then to grow up into Him that is the head of Christ. So in layman's terms, basically, say as we grow up, we should desire to become more like Christ. That's the simple, simple, simple aspect. Okay, grow up, become more like Christ. Now look at our at our congregation this morning. Mostly we're adults. We got some teenagers, there's some little ones, and everything. But but I'm sure all of us would say that we are pretty mature people. Right now, the wife might look at the husband and say, "I don't know about that," but I think we all would say that we are mature. And there's all kinds of things that define maturity throughout society, throughout history. At different times, you know, men would become mature, or boys become men at 13 or 16. At different points of their life, they would be they would have to do some kind of activity. Native American tribes would go through certain actions for that boy to go into manhood and be considered mature. There were certain things for females as well. And, and these things, and, and there are certain points back through history. Today, we may say well, when they can drive, or when they get a driver's license, when they get a car, when they get a certain age, they're mature. Or maybe when they take on certain responsibilities, when they get married, or when they have a child, or when they get a job or a house, then that's a sign of maturity, right? But the 15th verse here connects that maturity, that growing up, with the language that we use. It says, rather speak in love and grow up. To speak in love and grow up. The, the language that we use is a sign of our level of maturity, specifically in our relationship and our walk with Christ. And that fits, right? You look at a kid, a little bitty kid, if you ever just sat and just listened to them talk, where maybe they don't see you and they're with other kids or whatnot, and you listen to the stuff they say, right? They start calling each other names, booger face and, and crusty hair or whatever, you know. They make up some awful, gross things to call each other. Make fun of different things. Your hair is so ugly. Your face is so ugly. Yeah, all kinds of nasty things they talk about each other. They make up stuff. They make up lies about each other. They did this and they did that and nothing even happened. They just, they just like to... They like to tell tales. They like to tell stories. They're, the language that they use is immature. It's not mature in any way. We may think, well, you know, we've grown up. But we don't, we don't go out on the playground anymore and, and use that immature language. We don't call people names out in the playground. We don't, we don't make fun of certain things. But, but we take that same mentality, oftentimes, into our conversations. So what do our conversations say about our maturity level as individuals, right? Whether we're in our teens or whether we're married in our 20s and 30s or whether we're in retirement age in 50s, 60s, and 70s. What do our conversations say about our maturity level as individuals? Because oftentimes our conversations will betray us and speak something about our maturity in our walk with Christ as a Christian that we might not think of our, in ourselves. That we may think we're a mature Christian. That we've overcome many hardships and many great problems and many difficult times and seasons in our life. But our, the language that we use is still that of an immature person. An immature Christian. Paul said, I was once a child. When I was a child, I did a child of things, a child of things. But when I became a man, I put away all those childish things. And in our walk with Christ as individuals, as humans, as Christians, we should get to a point where we put away that childish language that we once so frequently used in adolescence, when we once so frequently used when we were a young Christian, didn't understand, and didn't know any better. We need to put those things away. We need to, to grow up. 
I mean, that's the honest truth. In, in church, as Christians, there comes a point in our life, there comes a point in our walk with Christ that we need to just grow up. We just need to grow up. I, you know, I've tried to be mature in my childhood, in my life and everything, but there's been times in my life, in teenage years, that I would do things my parents would say, you just need to grow up. It's not a good feeling to be told that, but the reality is that sometimes we need to embrace and understand that we, as individuals, need to just grow up. The Bible talks about how the church is to be a mother. It's supposed to be to bring children in, that through the Spirit they conceive these, they begin to work in people's lives, the Holy Spirit convicts them, they come into church, they're ministered to, and then through the power of the Holy Spirit they end up giving their lives over to Christ. And we as a church are supposed to help bring them into as this new child in Christ to raise them and to grow them. But children can't raise children. Amen. It doesn't work that way. I mean, I've, I've watched Peter Pan. The little lost voice things doesn't work in reality. Right? Those kids are going to be hungry within a couple of days. They're going to be crying for mommy and daddy real quick. I would be crying for mommy and daddy real quick if I was that age trying to live life on my own. Just put me out in the woods and say, take care of it, Jacob. I'd be like, uh-uh. I'll just sit down and be like, I'm just going to cry and die right here. Because this ain't going to work for me. Because children can't raise children. It don't work. It takes adults, mature individuals, to raise children. And in the church, it's the same thing. We can't expect a bunch of immature Christians to raise up and create mature Christians. It doesn't work that way. We must come to a point where we grow up. One of the easiest places for us to do that in our walks with Christ is in the language that we use how we have conversations with people, how we talk about people, and change those things. And change those things. But the sad reality is, is that many of us at different seasons in our life are not at that point yet. And one of the ways that it shows up and the ways the enemy uses that immaturity is through gossip. Right? We may not be like those little kids calling each other names and doing all these things on the playground anymore, but it's still there. The mentality is still there. Those habits are still there. Those bad things that we do are still there. It just looks a little different. We'll say things like, did you see what she did? Well, I saw on Facebook, because we know Facebook is always right. You'll never believe what I heard about so-and-so. You'll never believe it. Let me tell you. Let me... Let me tell you, if I was that kid's parents, I wouldn't be letting them do that. It's a form of gossip. You're talking about a person's life and their choices and how they raise their kids with somebody else. Right? Have I got something that I need to tell you? Rush in from wherever they're at. You never know. i got to tell you, I heard this at the grocery store. I have something I've got to tell you. I just have to tell you. Somebody. I know I told them I wasn't going to tell anybody. I know I said I wasn't going to say anything. I just have to tell somebody this thing. But don't you tell anybody. But I just have to tell somebody. You can't, but I got to. Right? We use those words. I wouldn't be doing that if I were them. These are all ways that we we gossip a little bit. And even as Christians, sometimes we, we try and get religious with our gossip. Okay? We really need to pray for so-and-so. I saw that they've been hanging around with, with a rough crowd. Religious with their gossip. Let's pray for so-and-so. Their marriage is really on the rocks right now. 
Lift up so-and-so in your prayers because I heard that he's been staying out late, and you know that that's not good. Now, Birdie sees things that, you know, he, he's probably cheating on his wife, but I, I'm more given to the idea that he's probably taking a little bit too much to the bottle if you get my gist with that. But we need to pray for him right now. We make our gossip religious. And we think it's okay. Because, oh, we're just lifting up a prayer request. But it's still, it's still gossip. It's the intentionality behind it. Because, yeah, you might put the tag phrase in front of it, you know, we need to pray for it. But that's like in the South saying, Lord, bless his heart. And we think it's okay. You're still insulting that person. You're just saying, Lord, love it. Bless his heart. It's still an insult. It's not nice. It's still gossip even if you say, we need to pray for. Da, 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 da. If you have the wrong intentions behind it. And we need to be honest. We know when we have the wrong intentions behind it. I, ain't gonna call you, I, I don't think any of you are ignorant. I don't think any of you are foolish. I don't think any of you are stupid. You know when you're trying to gossip but just saying it's a prayer request. We know. And really, everybody else around you knows too, because then they come to you after church and be like, so what happened? You said this? Well, I heard this. And we're all sitting around for 30 minutes talking about the prayer request, but nobody's praying about it. Don't, don't work that way. So we need to be honest with ourselves with the language that we use to show the maturity level that we have. Because if we want to bring in children, whether it be teenagers and young adults and whatever, or kids in our youth program and watch them grow up and then mature in Christ, or if it's people that are outside of the church that have never known God and we want to see them come in and get saved and become mature Christians, we must first be mature Christians. We must show signs of maturity to help others reach that level of maturity. Right? So we work with the language, but but what we really have to get down to is the root of it, and that's usually what's in what's in your head, right? Story time. Growing up, I spent a lot of time with my nanny. Um, or staying with her over the summer. When mom and dad were working, or maybe mom would come and nanny would and then would go out shopping and yard selling and I'd stay home and we'd just watch TV or whatnot. And y'all know growing up I didn't I couldn't watch you know anything I wanted on just everything I wanted on TV. But Nanny's house had cable, right? So, and Nanny always was on that station that had Matlock and Murder, She Wrote. Man, I still love that stuff, right? I still love those things. I still, I read the Murder, She Wrote books, right? I mean, I'm an old woman in that case. I mean, but people my age don't read the Murder, She Wrote books. But I love it. I like that stuff, right? I'd watch them. Every now and then, Walker, Texas Ranger would come on that channel. Man, and for a kid, that was awesome. Right? He was a Power Ranger, but he was a cop, and he had all these Taekwondo moves and fun stuff. He'd roundhouse kick everything, and that was real to me at that age. I thought he was just a straight up bad mamma jamma. I thought I didn't want to be around Walker State Stranger. So that was cool. So I loved watching it, just, just consumed it, took it in. Um, but there was a character on it named CD, an old man um, that worked with Walker sometimes. And CD liked to use some not so nice words sometimes, right? Some things that I really wasn't shouldn't be listening to at eight, nine years old, okay? But I'd hear it, I'd just gloss over it, and I wouldn't tell mommy and daddy because I wanted to walk walk a Texas Ranger. I wanted to see Chuck Norris kick the bad guy in the head. Well, there's one day. I struggled with tying my shoes for a long time. I was that kid that had the Velcro shoes, you know, up until like third or fourth grade. And struggled with it. Hardcore. Just trying to tie shoes one morning. I got very frustrated with it. And I said one of those not so nice words. Um, and first thing my mama said was, where did you hear that? Because he's like, I know you didn't hear it at my house. And I know you didn't hear it from me. 
where'd you hear that nonsense? And I was like, well, I heard it from CD on Walker, Texas Ranger. And she said, well, you ain't going to be watching no Walker, Texas Ranger for a long time, buddy. Um, and I didn't until I was over. And I say all that to say this. Something can't come out of your mouth unless it's already in your head. And you can't gossip and talk about people and put people down and say bad stuff about people unless you're already thinking it in your head. Unless you're already given room and given space and, and given given part of your head, part of your thoughts, part of your day to thinking bad about that person, about that family, about that situation. If you're doing that, then it's going to come out. But if you don't have those thoughts going in your head, it's not there to come out. So we need to understand Scripture in multiple places in the New Testament Jesus kind of gives this radical idea. In one situation, he says, Moses told you not to kill, but I tell you, if you're just angry at your brother, you've already committed murder. He told you not to commit adultery with your neighbor's wife, but I, I tell you, if you just lust after her in your heart, you've, you've already sinned. He changes the paradigm from an action to an understanding, a way of believing, a way of thinking, a way of going about things, about the, more of the spiritual aspect. And you can stop gossiping and talking about people to other people. You can stop saying bad things about other people. But if it's still in here, there's still sin down here. Because eventually the right situation will come along and the right person will come along and you'll be a little weak or you'll be more a little bit more frustrated at that person than normal and what's already been cooking up in here, you're going to be serving it up to anybody that comes along. Because it was ready and it's been boiling and it's been percolating for a long time and you've been wanting to say something but the Jesus in you has kept you from saying it. But right now you're, that's, that, that, that flesh is a little bit stronger than Jesus right now. It's stronger than that spirit right now and you're going to serve it out to anybody that's there to listen. Because it was already up here. But if it wasn't up here in the first place, there's nothing to serve. And there's nothing to dish out. And there's no gossip to give. And there's no bad things to say about anybody because it wasn't up here. But too many times we as Christians, we, we, we leave a... I, I know growing up, I, we didn't do it at my house, but my nanny, she oftentimes had a pot of beans always on the, the back eye of the stove. Or something like that. Just always kind of cooking, percolating, rocking and everything. So whenever anybody comes in, see, I got beans, whatever. And we, as Christians, keep a pot of bad things that we think and that we want to say about people and that we keep from saying about people on that back eye and when the right time comes, we'll dish it out. But as Christians, we need to dump that pot out. We need to get rid of all those bad intentions and bad thoughts and all the gossip and all the things that we've been hearing, things that we've been putting in our mind, things that we've been thinking about and going over and, and trying to pick apart and figure out. All those things that we've been putting about in our, in our head for those other people around us, we need to just, just get that out of our head so that it don't end up slipping out of or mouth. Going back with the kids. You ever been around a kid and they just say something crazy? I mean, off the wall crazy. I mean, like you never, you never thought this kid would say that. And you ask them, where did that come from? And they say, I just thought it. It was in my head. It was on my mind. So I just figured I would say it. 
we might live by this idea it's not good to always say what's on your mind. But what we need to get to the point of we don't give it space in our mind. The old adage you know, goes, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you sure can keep it from making a nest in your hair. You can't keep gossip always from getting to you. You'll hear it. You can't always keep from some bad thought just quit passing through your mind. It's going to happen. We're sinful. We're fleshly. But what we can do is dispose of it as soon as it comes in and get rid of it. And we need to be understanding and we need to be honest about what's in our head and get rid of it so it don't come out of our mouth. Look at the Scriptures. So this is verse uh, 17 and verse 22 through 24. So it says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Of their minds, okay? To put off your old... To the other verse. To put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. What Paul is doing here, he is saying, Gentiles which basically what we would consider that nowadays, Gentiles was a race of people, or basically the Greeks is who it usually referred to. But nowadays we just refer to that anybody outside of the church, anybody that's living in a, in a lifestyle that is not of salvation, that isn't following after Christ. So as long as you walk as Gentiles do, he's comparing that, the futility of their minds, so the negative, the bad, the things that does not have any kind of fruitfulness from it, that, that point of mind that they have, to get rid of it and renew in the spirit of your minds. Throughout the old self belongs to the former manner of life. Corrupt through all deceitful desires to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. What's in your head? What's on your mind? Because ultimately we're weak. The, sin, the, the flesh wins sometimes. That's what we talked about last week. That even though we're Christians and we desire to do good and we should have an expectation that we do better than what we did before. And do better than what we currently are doing. And people have the right to expect us to do do good by them as Christians. That should be the expectation people have of us. But we fail. I said last week we wrestle with sin daily and sometimes we lose. Sometimes we lose. And when we lose, what's in here, whether it be ill intentions of what we want to do or bad things we want to say, when we lose, they come out. But what we can do is prepare, knowing that we'll come short sometimes, prepare and get rid of all the negative in here so that when we do fall short, there's nothing bad up there to come out. And to get rid of the bad intentions, the gossip, the things that we want to that we want to say, that we want to talk about, that we want to gossip about with other people, get rid of those so they don't come out. But let's talk about thinking. Okay? Let's think. Um, I want to share something with you. You've all probably already seen it, seen it before. Maybe some of you have shared it, had it on Facebook. I think it's really good. I think it fits with this very clearly. And I want to show how it connects with the scripture that we read. Okay? An acronym is something where you take letters and you associate another term with each letter. Right? Okay? Um, so please excuse my dear Aunt Sally with something that we grew up learning in math class for order of operations. Right, different things. Um, on guitar, the the strings are eat. Every good boy, um, eat no, eat at Dave's grill before eating. So E A D G 
G, B, E. So that's the the core, the, the strings. So acronyms are just words that you break apart and you take each letter and it breaks down to seven notes. Okay? So this is thing. Okay? There are stories that go along with it. Basically, the simple thing is is before you say something, before you share something, before you talk about something or someone or a certain situation, that we should think before we talk. Right? We, we talked that in school, but this breaks down thing. Says, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Right? We've seen that. I mean, it's on Facebook. I'm sure. I, I think I saw it a couple weeks ago on Facebook. But as I was studying this, came back to my mind. I was like, this really fits with what we're talking about. That so we should think about things. And you might think, well, that's just you know, kind of a secular thing. It's just a good thing, but it doesn't have anything to do with with scripture. You're wrong. Verse 25 and then verse 29 to 31 reads like this: Therefore, having put away falsehood. Let each one of you speak what? You can say it. I'll let you talk. There you go. With their neighbor. For we are members one of another. That's Ephesians 4, 25. goes on. That no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, another translation says necessary, that it may give grace to those who hear, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption, that all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all mouths. Okay? So, we're going to go back and forth. Truth. What does it say? Truth. Right? Fits the Scripture. Be, that is helpful. Is it helpful? Good for building up. That sounds helpful to me. Right? inspiring okay let's go here give grace good for building up those things are inspiring i would think that's inspiring right okay necessary fits the occasion is it necessary does it fit the occasion is it needful there you go kind right let all the bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you all these things wrath anger clamor slander bitterness are basically antonyms, the opposite of kind. So put away those things, and when those things are gone, what should be replaced with kindness, right? Okay, so I just showed you this scripture. Now this little think thing directly, directly correlates with what God tells us to do in scripture, what Paul gives us in this scripture that we should think. Before we talk about somebody, before we bring up a situation, before we do all these things or whatnot, we can say, is it true or am I being? Either one. Right. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? You can say, am I being true? Am I being helpful? Am I being inspiring? Am I being necessary? Am I being kind? We have to we need to ask ourselves those questions to go through that. And if any one of those are missing, yeah, don't say it. It don't need to be said. It don't need to be talked about. It don't need to be brought up. It don't need to be gossiped about. They don't need to hear it, and you don't need to give it a place in your mind. You need to move on and let it between God and and that person. If you're concerned about that person, reach out to that person. But let's be honest. We're not wanting to talk to that person about it. We're wanting to talk to other people about it. If we were really concerned about that person's situation, We'd reach out to them and say, I had you on my heart. I don't know what's going on. I don't need to know what's going on. But I'm praying for you. And if you need me, as your brother and sister in Christ, I'm here. 
You can tell me what you want to. You can leave out what you want to. You don't have to tell me anything at all. I'm here. That's what true concern sounds like. Not, I heard you're going through such and such. And if you want to talk about it, I'm all ears. No. Do you see the difference? Do you see? One saying, give me all the juicy details. And the other saying, let me be the hands and feet of Jesus. One of them matches those things. The other doesn't. The other, you're not trying to be inspiring. You, you want to sound helpful, but you're not really being helpful. You want to look kind, but you're not really wanting to be kind. You're not doing what's necessary. You're wanting more than what's necessary. It doesn't match those things. So we need to think about what we say before we say it. A mature Christian, a mature Christian in their walk with Christ, in their walk of faith, thinks about what they say, about the words they use, about how they converse with people, about how they talk about situations, about who they talk about situations with about how often they talk about situations, about how much detail they share, about how much detail they need from the conversation, they think about these things. As Christians, we should do that. Because we all can attest, and we all know, no doubt, somebody that's in our family, or somebody that we love, or maybe somebody that's been in this church before, has been hurt by gossip, has been hurt by words, has been hurt by things that have been said, because that was it taken into account. Now, words are said and things are done sometimes unintentionally. I get that. But if we take the time to do that, less likely to happen unintentionally. Because we'd have to get through that and still say it. That removes the unintentionality and makes it intentional. Right? We need to think about those things. Hawk Nelson. He's pretty big, 90s, early 2000s. Contemporary gospel artist. He wrote a song called Words. Um, and this is the chorus. He says, Let my words be life. Let my words be truth. I don't want to say a word unless it points the world back to you. So again, let my words be life. Let my words be truth. I don't want to say a word unless it points the world back to you. Scripture also tells us in one place that when we get to the end of life, we stand before judgment, we'll be judged for every word that we have given. Whether it be good or necessary or, or not. Basically, that's paraphrasing. I'm not the greatest at quoting. That's basically what it gets down to. Whether it's you know, a kind word, a good word, a necessary word, or something that wasn't. We judge for that. And here he's saying, I don't want to say anything. Anything. Unless it points the world back to you in some way, fashion, or form. And that's the mindset we need to have in our conversations. How is this helping somebody? How is this inspiring somebody? How is this growing somebody? How is this showing somebody the love of God, the love of Christ? How is this helping somebody realize that they need Jesus, but that Jesus loves them and wants to meet them where they're at and help them change and help them become? How do these words help somebody? Or is it just something that I get pleasure in or I get enjoyment in or I want to talk about? Do I just want to hear my own voice? We need to be mindful and to think words we use and the conversations we have and how we talk about people and how we talk about things, how we talk about the church, how we talk about everything. Because our words are powerful. They can wound or they can heal. They can encourage or they can put down. They can help somebody out of a situation or they can push somebody back into a situation. Our words, our words are meaningful and important. 
us think before we use them. <coughs> it's not always something I've been the best at. I said things in conversation that I shouldn't have. I've allowed conversations go longer than they should have. I've allowed people to, to gossip to me. And no doubt I've probably sh- sh- uh, spread gossip to them. That's reality. Fall, we come short. But we need to be mindful. We need to be mindful. Because our words can hurt. All of us have probably been hurt by words. And the sad truth is we've all probably hurt people with our words. He goes on in the last verse. It talks about the forgiveness of God. And just to rehash that from last week. If we've been hurt by words... We have to forgive that person that's hurt us, even if they've not asked for forgiveness. And if we listen to this sermon or we go through the week and God reveals to us someone that we've hurt with our words, as Christians, it is our responsibility and it's what God desires from us and commands of us is to go and seek forgiveness from that person because of what we've done. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever it may be, you might say, well, they've already moved on from it. They might not have. They might not have. Go and find, seek that forgiveness. Think, though, so that we don't do the same or have the, repeat the same mistakes we've done in the past, so that we don't hurt people the same way we did in the past. Think. Think. Man, thankful for the Word of God, for His truth.